This podcast contains potentially adult language, adult themes, definitely drinking, and possibly sexual context. Listener discretion is advised. Welcome to Drinking with Authors. I, my podcast consigliere is adding a, a chair track now for these, so it's pretty awesome. I'm actually really super happy about that. Um, okay, so I'm your host, Erica Lance, and with me today is Vanessa Valiente. And our guest today is M.R. Noble. Woo! I have your word. Okay, so let's talk about what we're drinking. I do have my Drinking with authors, guys. I have swag now, so now we're going to give it away. We'll mail you one. So I am drinking apple cider that I put on ice. I probably should not be allowed to adult by myself. <laughs> apple cider on ice with um, ginger whiskey in it. But instead of heating it up, which I've done in the past, I put it on ice. So, Ooh. Okay. Grown adult. Vanessa, what are you drinking? Well, I'm not as fancy as Erica, but I got a good old yingling right here. And I promise this is a five-star beer because the last beer I drank, I gave it three stars. So this one, I highly recommend. <laughs> okay, Em, what are you drinking? Today, I am going to be drinking an Irish car bomb. one <laughs> it did i'm super jealous now we got to do shots okay oh my goodness mm. i love that okay for <laughs> i don't even know what to do i feel like and we're done we have now <laughs> we have come up yes <laughs> oh my goodness okay whoa all right i'm like crying i'm laughing so hard that's so good okay i'm so impressed okay no oh. let's talk a little bit about <laughs> You're right. <laughs> I'm going to have to ask for clarification off, on that one. <laughs> often, but man, I'm totally blown away when I do what just happened. <laughs> we had no idea that was happening to the listeners out there. That was completely yeah. like, oh. I was like, what? <laughs> oh my gosh. Okay. Anyone else we interview has to supersede that one. That was awesome. Yeah, no, like, you've now set a bar that everyone... Well, how do you compete with the haunted vagina? Like <laughs> that is true. That is true. It's very there, hard to compete. With the there is no vagina. way, but you know you could try. <laughs> oh my god! I'm doing an Irish car bomb next time. That's it. That's happening. Okay. It's great. Next that. time, let's just do a keg stand or like a line of flip cups or something. I don't know. That's Vanessa. You are really overestimating my skills. <laughs> Let's do something that requires dexterity. Yeah. Nobody next, wants to see me held upside down. No. <laughs> the next writer's lock-in will be a flip cup tournament. And we'll Ooh. see how the brainstorming goes. Oh, I like that. <laughs> oh, my God. Okay. So for the first ever Drinking with Authors Con, we're going to have... <laughs> that's it. Flip cup. Flip cups. Championship. Flip cups and keg stands. Okay. <laughs> Let's tell the audience about what you write. All right. So uh, this is actually my debut uh, that's being published in 2020. And uh, I feel like when readers are going to start my vampire book, they're going to say, what the fuck is this? <laughs> and then they're going to be really hooked <laughs> on hey, those first three good. chapters. Um, so it is a paranormal romance with a complex magical world system with a crime fiction tone. So it's a real mashup. You went, you went real simple. You went real simple. <laughs> yeah. It's a real mashup. So if you love like paranormal and you love that hard, gritty uh, urban fantasy where <clears throat> there's usually like some of the best urban fantasies that I've absolutely loved, like Harry Dresden or the Anita Blake Vampire Hunters series. They have this really dark, dirty sort of crime fiction tone into the underlying underlying themes and plots. So I think that I write what I love 
and and those theories really inspired me so that's that's what the book is so when you read it you're going to be a little confused but i think that people are going to really like it because i'm, I'm excited <laughs> huge Dresden yeah. Files fan and a huge and you've listened oh. to the podcast you've heard me talk about Laurel K which I have to be nicer because Mayberry says he can get Laurel K on my show so I have to stop bad mouthing I love her <laughs> I do I, I love the I just feel it's gotten a little out of control we're on book like 487 right now and I feel oh. like it's but you know what makes me feel better is when I go on her website I see the list of charities she's got going on mm -hmm. and you keep scrolling and it keeps going. <laughs> I'm like, well, you know no. what? Yeah, I can get behind this. You know, there's some good coming from this. So no, totally. I just think she needs more editing help. That's all. That's all I'm asking. I'm just asking for her to find an editor that will stand up and say, Hey, don't use the word wound 13 times in two paragraphs. Hi. <laughs> That's all I want for her because I love the stories. Like it's one of my favorites and I'm committed. I buy every single one of them, no matter what. But so now I'm excited. Working. Book. When does your book come out? When do we get it in our hands? So How the pre-order is actually already up. Uh, yeah, pre-order is up on December uh, 2020. Sorry, pre-order is up and the launch is uh, December 16th, 2020. So it's available right now through Amazon, Barnes and Noble, BookBub, Goodreads. So oh, we just good. went live, I think, with the pre-order for ebook a couple days ago, and paperback should be right behind it. Maybe a, a few weeks. Okay. Well, I'm excited. Find <laughs> copy here at Drinking with Authors. <laughs> Absolutely. Don't so, tell me your address now, though, because you may get a bunch of you'll get like 50 Laurel K books on your doorstep <laughs> the next that's day. Fine. I'm just going to take some anonymous highlighted in every single one. Yes. <laughs> Yes. <laughs> I got her to sign that chapter of the book oh. where she did that. Yes. Oh, nice. <laughs> when I was at Dragon Con, she was there and I, I took it up and I was with two friends of mine and they're like, do not get us thrown out of Dragon Con. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, I'm not going to tell her. She, she, so she started looking at it and she goes, why do you want me to sign this chapter? And it has the bad guy. So she has a bad guy in her book who I think is one of the best bad guys ever. And he's like this guy who does bounty Which hunting. book are we talking about? Sorry. Uh, is it Bullet? I have it in the other room. But um, it was the, she says the word wound. And he um, Anita is in New Mexico with, oh my goodness, why is his name escaping me right now? Oh yeah, Ginger Whiskey. That's why. Um, oh. Ivan, no, no, no. What is his name? It, it's the big Russian guy that ends up being around the cowboy all the time. And I cannot believe the names are escaping me right now. But he's obsessed with um, uh, Anita's character. But he's a serial killer and likes to hurt people. But he's a bounty hunter. Anyway, it's very complex. He's a very evil guy. And she's stuck in a room with him and he's really close to her. And it's this whole encounter. And so I was like, I really like your bad guys, which is true. I didn't lie to her, but I really wanted to like highlight the word wound on the page and just go, please just get an editor because it threw me off and it pisses me off and I get thrown off. And because I was listening to it on audiobook, and I'm like, did she just say wound like 13 times? And then I actually found the actual print book and then I was like, fuck, she did do that. Okay, never mind. I'm going to get her to sign it. <laughs> <laughs> I did. I, I, I literally bought the hardcover to get her to sign it and she signed it for me. And uh, anyway, needless to say, I embarrassed my friends, whatever. And then I was telling Jonathan Mayberry about it and he's like, I I'm friends with Laurel Okay, I'm going to get her on your podcast. And I'm like, great. Perfect. I'm going to have to tell her not to listen. <laughs> She'll go down. It. Uh, she strikes me as someone with a great sense of humor. She, she is, and she is so relatable to her fans. That's another thing about her. Like she really interacts with her fans, which I think is a huge deal for writers. So since this is what, okay, so this is your debut, which is awesome. What made you decide to write this book? <clears throat> I was reading uh, Stephen King, How To, and I was laughing my ass off because he wrote in it, every writer has a point where they stop reading and they put the book down 
and they say, I can do better than this. <laughs> and I was crying laughing. So I poured myself a glass of wine. I sat down and, and I did it. <laughs> Wow. But but I've I've always loved the arts and creative writing. I grew up as a science background, but my I grew up in a very artistic household as well. So art was always encouraged. Creative writing was always encouraged. So I was always creative writing short stories. I hadn't committed to a full novel um, until I was like, yeah, you know what, Stephen King? Yeah, that sounds good. I think I want to do it. <laughs> so, and I did so it. How long did it take from the time you did that to now? So, okay, so I started writing in, like, I wrote my Carolina Zelka Dark Eyes, my, my debut, in 2016. And it took me two years to write it. I wrote, I think, from the time of publication now, I've probably written six drafts of the original story. And the first story was probably just a pile of shit. Like it was probably just a pile of shit, but I think like the biggest message that I could give to writers is not to give up hundred percent. I had people tell me, um, cause I actually struggled with a little bit of dyslexia in, in, in high school in school. And I always got great grades, but it was always like people knew that writing, I always had that not necessarily that it wasn't a strong suit, but like I always had, a little bit of a drawback. So I had to work harder than other people. Even in university, I had to I had to work harder to correct myself because when I read, my brain will register what I want the words to say, right? Rather than what's actually on the page. So I have to go back and read it aloud and work a little bit harder. So when I told like my friends and family, I'm gonna be a writer and I'm gonna do it. And they're like, well, Margarita, like 1% gets published, 1% gets agented. Like, you know, you should, you should consider that. But that fighter in me is always thinking, well, I'm going to prove you wrong. <laughs> because I always had to work harder than other people. So um, 2016, I sat down to write. And um, yeah, it was probably a pile of shit. <laughs> it probably was. <laughs> but I was goddamn inspired, baby. And I was going to do it. <laughs> Every so I hired is a pile of crap. <laughs> oh yeah. So I hired professional editors, and I had two right from the beginning. And they told me like this is kind of a piece of shit. I'm like, okay, bring it on, lay it on me, crush my dreams, and it's gonna make me stronger. So I rewrote it, I rewrote it, I rewrote it. So it took me about two years to write it. Um, so 2016. So that brings me to 2018, and um, then it took me three years to sell it. And that was hard because everyone was saying vampires are out of fashion, like ghosts are in, witches are in. And then I had a lot of people saying vampires are never out of fashion. You know, there's always a following. But I love what I love, which is paranormal romance. I love the supernatural. Um, I love the thriller aspect. I think everything's always tastier with a little, little bit of murder. Like, what's that famous quote? If you're starting with a murder, you're doing something right. Ooh, I think that's Erica's mantra when she goes to sit down right. The horror is in horror. (laughs) I just try to find people to fucking kill. Like perfect. Yeah, kill your darlings. (laughs) Kill like get 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 the the readers attached and then just murder them off. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Okay, George R. R. Martin. Oh, so sadistic. Yeah, absolutely. So it took me three years to sell it, and. but I didn't give up. So I had a, uh, like, I had years of querying and denials. And then I, uh, I actually queried an editor at the Wild Rose Press, Miss Melanie Billings, sorry, Miss Melanie Billings. And uh, she emailed me back the next day compared to waiting that two to three, like, sorry, 12 weeks, like two months, two to three months. Yeah. Um, she emailed me back the next day and I knew I had hit home with her and she believed in my story. Right. And that's and that's how a lot of writers get that break is you just need that one person to believe in that story and think, hey, this is this is fresh. This is a new take on what we've seen before. How come we didn't self-publish? I was considering it. I'm just truly I truly believed that someone was going to see how fantastic it was. And like in a lot of the podcasts you've done before, there's a lot of people you've spoken about how. Not everyone's going to like your work, but some people are. 
I just truly believed in my project, thinking that a publisher is, uh, out of all the editors out there, someone, this is going to resonate with someone. I know it's going to do it. So I didn't give up in that sense. And then once I had a, a deal for publication, I approached uh, an agent that I really admired and uh, she picked me up and she's been fantastic to work with. So um, that's my story. Wow. It's a great story, but it is, I think, a lot of your attitude. You're writing, yes, you have to be good. You can't be crap because, well. Well, know. you can start out as crap, but you got to learn um, to write, baby. Yeah, you <laughs> you got to learn to write, write and keep going. And, yeah. And especially now you have to, you have to have the goods, but I think your attitude probably had a lot to do with being able to get to the point you, you got to and being willing to have like the editors take your work and rip it to shreds and go here, you have, here's the little pieces. You can have this back and you have some glue. You might be able to fix what the hell just happened. But, um, and, and, and that's important to not look at it and go, a lot of um, authors that we run into, and even because if you listen to the podcast, you know we have a publishing side of this that we do. We are publishers as well. And they have this, like, this is my little baby. And, and we're like, yeah, you should go somewhere else with your little baby. I'm a firm believer that if this is a little baby yeah. and this is your thing, go self-publish. Like, go. Because you're not going to make it in the publishing world if you don't do that. But I think yeah. that's a great story. And it's something that can happen. But it doesn't always happen, but you have to be willing to deal with it takes what it takes to get to that point. And to Absolutely. what you said earlier, not give up. It's mm -hmm. really easy to give up. It is yeah. super, like giving up is one of the easiest things in the world to do. Well, I, I went to a book signing one time for, um, her name is Tahira Mafi. She uh, is a New York Times bestselling author. And I will never forget in her, in her, um, you know, panel, she says the only difference between a published author and an and unpublished is just trying, keep doing it, not taking no as the final answer because you're even like the most successful authors still get rejected. So if you're going to start getting, if you're going to get, you know, you know, uh, down about the first rejection, then you're never going to survive it. It's just, it's just part of the nature of it. So if you love it and you're passionate about it, keep doing it. That's it. I feel like, yeah, it's, it's, um, it's a Rocky Balboa moment. Like, don't give up. <laughs> <laughs> on the steps of the Like, bring on the pain. Yeah, go work through the rejections. It's going to make you better, make you stronger. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, so you started this. What was your vision? How many books did you have envisioned? Are you going to need to break this shit and be like 487 books later? Forever. I have nine books. I actually have nine books drafted. I'm a huge fan of crossover. So I've got, I've got uh, at least three books plotted for the Dark Eyes series. I have another series that I'm really excited about. Um, I sent like a little sneaky peeky to my agent uh, to get her excited about it too. Um, and there's a lot of crossover. So in the, the sequel to Dark Eyes that I'm, I'm writing now, uh, there's a lot of crossover to book number one of the next series. And then I have a third series um, that I think is going to be based in Latin America that I'm excited about as well. So I've got the Dark Eyes series. I've got my next series. I can't say the title without giving away my new supernatural characters that I'm focusing on that I think is pretty fresh. Um, so I you can't say the name yet. You're drinking an Irish car bomb. I know. Not 30 minutes. <laughs> oh, I know. I know you're going to get it out of me. Um, yeah, so I'm really excited for that. Um, but I can't say the name, so that's going to be hard. But um, So is it like a side character from your your initial debut that is going to kind of like... No, she's not a side character. So I always, I joked around with my agent when she first signed me. I said, like, you realize, like, you're signing, like, the best of the good bad girls. Because Caro is a package with the other two bad girls and they're, and they're the best of the good bad girls so they're not too bad but <laughs> but you can trust them a little like they may like steal your wallet but maybe they'll return it so you find the bad girls like and there's three of them so they're they're gonna be a package deal but uh, there's a lot of crossover with the next series um so i i should have it like a, at least like 
like query ready, I'm thinking within about a year and a half uh, for the next series. So I'm excited. And then I'm about halfway through the sequel to Dark Eyes now. I'm probably going to rest it and then go butcher it like my wonderful editors taught me how to. <laughs> a little bit sadistic that way. Yeah. So how hey, fast are you I'm planning on getting the series out? Because there's a whole methodology now to putting out series. Mm -hmm. and you just said a year and a half. So I'm a little... because. A lot of times now, must go faster, Jeff Goldblum. If anybody hasn't seen it, Jeff Goldblum redid the picture from Jurassic Park where his shirt is open. He still looks <laughs> amazing. Anyway, side note, that's fine. Okay. I just love but, Jeff Goldblum in Thor. Like, can we talk about when he melted a man with his melting stick? Yes, <laughs> Let's yes. talk about that. <laughs> Turned into a pile of goo. It's like every every scene I've ever written after that is like, do they turn into a pile of goo? I don't know. I've got to like write this out and see, see how this is going to go. Like, <laughs> I got to meet him at Comic-Con, actually. I got to meet really? Jeff. Yes. I will is go he in person? Uh, he is one of the nicest people. So I get, when I go to um, conventions, because I go all the time, and... I'll either dress up or I have a booth with books. I don't know. I don't care. I like just meeting people. Hence, Laurel K. Hamilton at DragonCon. Um, <laughs> and uh, he, uh, I, I get caricatures made, me and whoever I'm going to meet, in a scene from one of the movies that I like. So I had him and me from this movie called Earth Girls Are Easy. It was with Gina Davis. It was an, it was, anyway, it was a, Damon Wayans was in it. And so was, um, God, what is his name? Uh, anyway, me Jim Carrey and Jim Carrey was in it and they were when they were really young and it's a, such a cheesy movie, but in, in Jeff Goldblum's one of the aliens, but I had that picture and I walked up and he had lost his voice, but he was still greeting fans. And so they warned you that like, he's not talking, he'll sign things, but just be aware he lost his voice. And I walked up and he looks at him and he looks at me and he's like, this is really cute. Like, but he was like, had a... <laughs> This is really cute. And you could tell his handlers were like, stop talking. You're <laughs> anyway, he was a very sweet guy. And, and anyway, that was the same week, um, day I met Jason Momoa, who told me I seemed very dangerous. Whatever. Mm. <laughs> oh, that isn't thrilling. I don't hey, know what is. <laughs> I've actually had a picture with him, and I, I have to admit, he smells really nice. I bet. He is. That's not creeperish at all, Vanessa. I bet he smells like Nirvana. <laughs> I mean, he, he, I mean, he's just like, mm. like I'm five two, and he's like what six? I don't know, six something. And I'm just like, I look like a hobbit next to him. But he was, it was a really nice experience. Were you like you going for the ad? What the hell is that gesture? <laughs> <laughs> Why we can't have nice things, Vanessa? Us oh, girls, just saying. <laughs> okay, but. So you have three different series. You're basically apparently creating the Charlie's Angels of Good Bad Girls, which is awesome. Oh, well, I haven't heard that before. I dig that. Yeah. Yeah. I'm a, I'm a huge superhero, like superhero fan. So. Ooh, who's your favorite? Ooh, that's hard. I feel like if I could, if I could blend, um, if I could blend Catwoman with mm -hmm. Wonder Woman, then I would be happy. Ooh. Which I feel like Wonder Woman has, she's got like the skills. Like I love the brawn. Like I love the capability of Wonder Woman. It just made her so nice. So nice. <laughs> and that's each other. Like, and the innocence thing I love. Like I actually watched the Marvel uh, Wonder Woman. I loved it. I digged it. I get the innocence lost. And actually in Dark Eyes, that's that's one of the main themes is is innocence lost in my pro, but um, I just feel like she needs a little more dirt under her fingernails, so mm. to speak. And I think Catwoman's got that. I love that Catwoman is a product of her gosh darn environment. Like she's lived on the streets, right? Like she's she's been hardened. Like she's had her experience, and they've created her into what she is, and that's their problem. Ooh, and I dig I, I like that. that. Yeah, I, 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 I like the bite that Catwoman has. Yeah. What about you, Vanessa? Ooh, I'm going to say, oh, my God. Um, 
I don't know. I love Thor. Um, <laughs> Chris Hemsworth is pretty nice with his hammer. Um, <laughs> Chris Hemsworth is nice with every. I'm sure you guys talk about his actual hammer, right? Uh, I, I will have to say. Oh God, you know, you know what I, okay. So I will say my favorite all time and it's not one character, but I would say my favorite group of characters is X-Men. I don't know what it is. Nice. I just yeah. love X-Men like Storm, Jean Grey, you know, Jean Grey, my dark Phoenix. She, she just, I, I love how she tries to battle her own self. Like it's her, the mat, it, it, she's probably, yeah, Jean Grey. I'm going to say Jean Grey. That's and, a good one. That's but a great in general, X Men. Any X Men? Oh yeah. I like how on the right side of this you are because I'm like a Deadpool fucking Harley Quinn fan. Yeah. Like, let's yeah. watch the fucking burn together and be oh. sarcastic while we're doing it. So great. Oh. Yeah. Ryan Reynolds as Deadpool was the greatest thing that ever was created. I just like let's let's talk about like people talk about book boyfriends, like movie boyfriends. Hello. Ooh. <laughs> why hasn't why hasn't book boyfriends moved to movie movie boyfriends? Because I, I swear he'd be like number one of, of many many lists. <laughs> let's, let's be real. You know, I have to say if I was gonna pick a Ryan Reynolds, so I'd say Ryan Reynolds in the proposal to be the number one book boyfriend. Ooh. If you've never watched that movie, he's amazing in that movie. I love that movie. And and uh, honestly, uh what's her um uh what's her name? Amber oh, Bowling? No, 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 from uh Golden Girls. The redhead, the redhead. Betty White. Redhead. Betty White. Betty White. When Whoa. she was dancing in the woods, like Gain her groove on. I mean, I just she's my spirit. If she's my spirit animal, spirit person, like Betty she, White and Lake Placid is my spirit animal. When she oh. says, "I hope that crocodile eats all of your men." Got you. Oh my goodness. Okay. Oh my goodness. Oh now. So let's talk. We went actually there. Wow, you derailed us. That was crazy. <laughs> sure did. Yeah, you sure did. <laughs> um, it's the Irish car bomb. I'm I'm actually drinking out of a beautiful flying monkey's glass today. I'm gonna say. Oh my gosh. The brewery is right up in Barrie, Ontario. Fantastic Ooh. beer. So I'm gonna do a little showcase to them tonight. But uh, <laughs> if you haven't had the chance. Great this series. episode not sponsored by not sponsored. the brewery. <laughs> and no no no. So let's um hold on. What time? Okay, we have to take a quick break. We will be right back with Drinking with Authors. This is the voice of Drinking with Authors. You are at our commercial break, and our commercial is Hey, do you want to be a guest on our show? Or do you have a question for one of the guests on our show? Or do you have a brilliant drink recipe that we've never heard of? That would have to stump us. But you could reach us at drinkingwithauthors at gmail.com or on Twitter, Instagram, or Facebook. You can direct message or even just leave a comment on one of our posts. We would absolutely love to hear from you. We're going back in the episode. Everybody's super quiet. Okay. So um, previous to our commercial break, that we now have on YouTube because we're on YouTube. So um, we're not on YouTube yet. We're going to be on YouTube this week. It's fine. Um, the breaking ground. The, yeah, we are. Well, it was it was actually Kenya who's like, you need to put this on YouTube. She was like, you need to do this. And I was like, so I went to the producer and I'm like, I don't think we can wait anymore because we were waiting until we were able to do some more stuff in person. Anyway. Um, Okay, where was I? Yes, your books. So let me just get this straight. I'm going to read your book and be in love with it and have to wait two years for the next one? Because that's not acceptable. I'm hoping I will have the first one out um, within the year of publication. So sorry, the next one. So the sequel of the book will hopefully be ready by December 2021. I'm working really hard, guys. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I, because I'm I butcher my work, I'm probably going to rewrite that first draft. <laughs> I'm probably going to rewrite it a lot. So I'm going to need you to go faster than you're going, and I haven't even read the book. A year yet. a book? <laughs> you know what? I would, love, I would love to send you the first three chapters, um, or even for, we could do a review. Yes, I please. I that way with, yes. my, uh, with my contract. 
Um, I could read an excerpt too, but that's boring. But yeah, I, I like the first three chapters. I feel like they're gonna hit home with you, Erica, because I know you do the you do the the dirty horror that doesn't end well, and I'm happy with that. I'm so <laughs> happy with a realistic ending, and um, and then you love the romance too. So I think I think you'll dig it. And and if you send me a, like a little message, like you know, six months from now, you're like, hey, I'm like read it digged it, I'll be so flattered because you also write amazing books. So Oh well thank you. No, I'm I'm gonna make sure I gotta figure out a way to get a signed copy from you, but I'm gonna order this book because I love everything about what you're saying. What I read. I'm super excited. I'm just telling you that especially when we have you on this podcast again, you're gonna get unrelenting shit if you take too long to get me the fucking book. That's I will get it happen. to you. That'll be my yes. goal. Do I meet my my Erica deadline? (laughs) (laughs) Vanessa has those on the calendar. Yes, I get I get daily reminders. Erica's like, so did you finish your book? So did you finish your book? Where are you at? Where are you? Let's do it. No, no, I agree. It's your writing tribe. Like, if you can't trust any, if you can't trust your writing tribe, who can you trust? Right? And you have to. I feel like as a writer, like you can write solo and you can go so far. But if you get published, if you do whatever, if you publish on Amazon, you self-publish, or you become an indie author, whatever route you take, you're going to get a tribe eventually. If you try to deny it, it will still happen. But, like, you have to trust your writing tribe. So, like, uh, like Lonnie Cameron, a uh, very talented author. She has her uh, debut coming out soon. Um, she's a high fantasy author. Very saucy little writer. And Ooh, I think she, I really think girl. she's going to be big. <laughs> oh, yeah. I really think she's going to be big, but, um, you have to trust your tribe, right? So like, they're the people that motivate you, like surround yourself with the writers that care about you and love your work. And they're going to be honest with you. And they also keep you motivated. So you were talking about, you know, tidbits to people that are trying to get published or considering self-publishing, whatever route you want to take. Um, always, always, always embrace your tribe. That's what I say. Amen to that. Because like, yeah. I think it's always usually easier to champion other people than it is yourself. And I'm speaking about what I do. Like, I'm all here cheerleading for everyone else. But I'm like, the worst when it comes to like getting my own stuff done. So, you know, Erica has to step in and be like, come on, start producing. Yeah. You know? she, she has, Vanessa has some of the most beautiful prose you will ever read. Ever. And she's like, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to write it, but make 20 million comments and not think it's done. And then I'm going to rewrite it 400 times. So it's perfect. And I'm like, just fucking publish the book. Like, I don't know what the fuck you're waiting for. You'll never stop. You'll never stop. My editor had to tell me like, so this is just for a review for typos. Typos only. Like that is it. <laughs> yeah. You will never stop growing. So you will never stop wanting to add. But at some point, I think you have to make the decision to be like, okay, I'm going to let the world see my work because you could keep going. I, and Vanessa, this is not, not a put down whatsoever. If anything, mm. it's speaking to your character and, and to the love of writing. But I, I'm so happy that this came up because I myself struggle with it as well. Like, I feel like because we never stop growing as a writer, I feel like already um, the sequel to Dark Eyes or Carolina Delta Dark Eyes is my my um, debut. But um, the sequel to that, I feel like it's already so much better than the first. And I think that's because I have grown as an author. And I think that people, uh, when they're writing and when writing is a passion, they'll never stop growing. So in, in the situation where you're constantly reviewing, you will never stop growing. You could keep going and like keep rewriting and, and keep going and it'll keep changing and it will be better and better every time. But at some point you have to embrace the fact that you want the world to see it. So Ooh, Erica, if you girl, push her, me like, oh, push yeah. her, you shove her, shove <laughs> her in the direction. Oh, I do violently. It is time. Like, it is time. Then that's I made her give it to an editor. I made her give yeah. it to an editor. I was like, so this is cute. Yeah. We're done with your bullshit. Give the book to the editor. And I made her give the book. Because yeah. I was like, I, I played her the frozen let it go. I'm like, you have to, I'm done. I'm done with this. Because 
you should be an amazing published author and you're not trust me i know i read my original stuff and i'm like was i drunk that i was probably drunk that day but it's fine it's fine it's out i'm not going backwards and fixing it i'm just moving forwards that's okay. it yep so question now that we've covered superheroes um what do you think your biggest um uh problem is as a writer like what is your biggest like I need to be aware of this because I do this thing. My editors have fed back to me and said, I do X. Okay, so I think of things backwards always. And I think that's like, we, we talked about a little bit about the dyslexia, like uh, when I was growing up. And usually it's pretty rooted out of me now. Like if I type really fast, I'll write T-E-H instead of T-H-E for the. So I have to slow down. I have to think of it. Um, but not only that, I also think of things backwards. So like my sentence structure is often backwards and I'll have this amazing scene and it'll be super emotional and very powerful, but my sentence structure may be, may be backwards. So when I'm done a book, I, I do my first draft and to get to tell myself what the story is. And then I rewrite it to get my imagery in my character development and I rewrite it to, to bring out the heart in each scene. And then I rewrite it again to butcher my own self and correct my pacing and get my excitement there that is originally there if I was self-indulgent on my first two drafts. And then my fourth draft, I'll look at it and I will look at sec sentence structure and grammar only on my fourth draft. So the first th three drafts are all heart. And then the fourth draft is when I go in with my red pen and I'm looking at, uh, you know, like basic things for writers, passive voice, um, you know, where is the sentence structure? Um, the result of the sentence should always be at the end. So like I can write sentences backwards in, in the sense that what is happening in that sentence may happen at the first part of the sentence rather at the end so i'll it's have to order of events myself. the order yeah, of events. events yes yeah and then that that quickly eliminates any sort of passive voice although i don't actually have a lot of passive voice um when i write um usually what i write is very exciting but my my word sentencing or my word choice may be backwards so i have to go back and then i have to correct it and then my fifth Fifth draft is just cleaning house, so getting rid of useless words. So I write a lot of drafts for stories. I was gonna say I don't write that many drafts because if you I reread it, I, I I know myself I will overdo it. So I just go here you go. I have a totally different uh, approach editing process because I'm just like fix it. Yeah. <laughs> well, actually, I think she does up, great. Yeah, because I'm like. Here you go. I can't. I just can't look at it anymore because I'm seeing by the second time I read it through, I'm seeing what I want to see in this story, not what's actually on the paper. So it's literally useless because I'm like, this is not even. I don't even what. <laughs> okay. Apparently, I changed it. I I've said this on a couple podcasts. Apparently, instead of realizing things now, everybody's fine with that. We don't have a lot of realizing happening anymore. But I'm changing characters' names from one chapter to the other. <laughs> It's awesome. My latest <laughs> things. So now I have to be hyper aware of the character names and that I gave them. Because oh, John yeah. and Noah are apparently Roll the same down person. to your outline. But no, you write in the dark, from what I understand. Yeah. I, I do. So I, I actually I brought this because I've shown this um, on one podcast, but this is the outline to the sequel in the next Randy Michaels. That's it right there. That's the whole yeah. outline. <laughs> That's great. It's one pad page that's there and it's literally and it's not even in order even though it's numbered i just put numbers so i can keep track of them and that's the next um that's the third book in the randy michaels which is the training of the tramp I right love there that. so yeah that's that's totally letting the character take the wheel right like when we're talking about writing process like i dig that i, I love i love it when characters become visceral and they just take over the story so i think that's well, right I don't, the character doesn't take over the story. So it's weird to me completely. I will say, because um, not Vanessa, but Valerie's characters take over the story. M more for me, and I found this out about George R.R. R. Martin. Did you, you guys know he's a pantser? 
Oh. George R. R. Martin is not a plotter. I learned this because his writing bestie, whose name is Melinda Snodgrass, is on a podcast, and she told us that George R. R. Martin is a pantser. Like, I literally, that doesn't either. outline... That makes so much story. sense of, like, the, just everything. That makes so much sense. Why so many people get killed. Like, why... Why certain scenes like delve so deep into the dark? Well, yeah, <laughs> like he's just like I'm gonna, like, I'm gonna see where this goes as he types along. Like, oh, well, that I, makes so much sense. Well, I think that's also why it takes him such a long time to to finish it too, because he's sitting uh, there and he'll write something, and then he has to be like, wait a minute, no, and then goes back, and then like you have to keep going back to whatever point's not working to go, and like it takes him in new directions. Or at least from what I've read about him, is that. You know, he'll co he'll come to a point and he and then he'll go in one direction, and then he'll come right back, and then he's like no, and then he goes in a complete. It, it, it's it's very interesting. I can't I can't work that way. I will be stressed. Well, see, and that's the thing is that for me, yes, it's the character, and what would the character do? But I have the whole story playing like a movie in my head, so I'm just literally typing what I'm watching happen. So I don't have to do, and I also I will say this. I do, even though um, in my horror stuff, and I have my first full-length horror book coming out, which is a serial killer um, trilogy, um, I, don't, I don't have as much research and plotting and stuff like that as a lot of people do when they write. Like the Horror Island books are from a, like a scene to a scene. There's not like this gigantic overarching story thing and 20 characters that you have to keep track of, like... It's it's one bitch and her friends, you know, that she fucks around a lot. Like, that's really the story. So it's not as in detail as some of these plot lines end up being. So I don't, like, I don't need to do a world building book ever on Whore Island. There's no world building that's <laughs> You just have to, like, control F. Like, find, find whatever yeah. name, replace with the final name. <laughs> God, replace Noah. That's what, that's what the problem was in the last book. Okay, so um, you said you wrote before. When did you start writing? So you wrote as a kid. When did you, when was your first published thing? Is this your first actual published work or no? It's, yeah, so actually the first thing I ever wrote is the first thing I've had published. So that in a sense is a little bit unique. Um, not everyone sticks with their baby as long as I did. But I think because I rewrote it so many times um, that there was such a transition as well. So I was really discovering my voice too as an author. And um, I finally found a place where it felt real and visceral for me. And uh, that was the place that actually got me published. I actually, um, when I did get published, I wrote an email. It sounds snarky, but it, it, it wasn't snarky. Um, I had a lot of revise and resubmits on, on Carolina Delka Dark Eyes. I had a revise and resubmit from Entangled Teen Publishing. Oh, yeah. I know yeah. that. And I had a revise and resubmit from Stacey, I'm sorry, not Stacey Abrams, um, from, from the agency that Stacey worked at. And um, I won't say the agent, who was fantastic. Like, she was great. So I had um, three beta readers that I gave my baby to. And then I had two revise and resubmits. And those, it was actually the revise and resubmits that really pushed me as an author. Um, the revise and resubmit from Tangled, Entangled, Teen, um, I did it. And I did it with the voice that was true to myself. And... Uh, originally they couldn't quite connect with my voice. I get, I get it. I'm a very peppy person. I'm also pretty sadistic. <laughs> so the combination, the combination is a bit odd. <laughs> so it's not for everyone. And I think they picked up on that. And for my rewrite, it was more of a crime. I, I rewrote the story with more of a crime fiction tone, which is what it should have been originally. Um, which wasn't a good fit for Entangled. But um, Stacey Abrams uh, actually gave me the revise and resubmit. I sent her a really heartfelt message when I got published because I told her that had, had I not received the revise and resubmit from Stacey and had she not invested the time in me, like let's talk about revise and resubmits for a minute because a lot of authors take them to heart like a lot of authors feel so wounded by a revise and resubmit. And when you actually look at 
um, the time and energy that a person puts into the revise and resubmit to give to you the knowledge that you need to advance your craft. That's beautiful. It's a beautiful thing when you actually get it. And like they have thousands of people submitting, right? So for them to take the time out of their day, they think that there's some part of your work that has merit. And I really think that that's worth honoring. So uh, when I did get published, I sent her a message saying thank you for the revise and resubmit. Yes, I rewrote the book with a really harsh, well, I wouldn't say really harsh, but I rewrote the book with a, with a crime fiction tone. And it wasn't the right fit for Entangled once I went in that direction. But that direction was right for me as an author. And it was right for me as my voice. And it really empowered me to write that story. And I don't think I would be the, the writer that I am today without the feedback you gave me because you pushed me. And so with every push and every rejection, like there is growth. So um, I'm, I'm really grateful for that. I'm really grateful for that. And then also um, with um, Stacey Abrams under her agency, I had a revise and resubmit again with voice and my voice is very different. Um, it is like a really positive voice and a very sadistic voice at the same time. So the mashup for some people can be confusing. And then for others who really love the genre, like the urban fantasy genre that is paranormal, that is crime fiction, that is a little bit saucy, but at the same time, optimistic in tackling the barriers that life presents. I think that those, that group really digs it but it's not a genre that is for everyone. So those two revise and resubmits really helped me grow as an author. And uh, I think it, their push um, turned out in a really beautiful product. Like it was, it was a product that sold in the end. And, and to me, it's a product that I love. Like I love this series. So I'm grateful. Oh, yeah. Girl, no, sorry for the the no, car bomb rant. Because well, I, I will, I will say this because uh, you know I'm an editor with Four Horsemen, which is you know the publishing company that uh, Val and Erica started, and um, Jen and I, the other editor, we actually go in and what you're talking about, what agents do, we do the same thing. We read the submissions, and we always really try, even if we don't take it, to give a little bit of a critique of some sort, just to kind of you know because. And, but it's so true. It's very difficult when you have so many submissions you're going through that you don't have the time. It's not that you don't want to, it's just, you just don't have the time. You're on a debt on a schedule. Like not only are we going through submissions, but we have clients that we're working with to get their books out on time. And you have to you know, write yeah, it, yes. <laughs> and me write my own book as well. <laughs> uh, but it's, it's a, uh, you know, anytime someone gives the time, even if it's not the kind of feedback that you want, you, sh you know, know that that person did it out of caring if they're able to have the time to do it because, you know, we don't always have the time. And in like in your case, it helped you realize that even though this wasn't the best fit for you, you found the right place for you. And so I just want to say that was awesome. That's, that's really good feedback cool. on that. It's you true. know what? It's, like, go ahead. As authors, I think we have to um, step back and realize there there are a lot of pitfalls. There are some shitty things that can happen to authors. We've talked about them on this podcast. But at the same time, you have to keep improving. I'm not saying every author should have the thickest skin in the world because some of us are very sensitive little creatures and stuff. I'm not one of those, but there are very sensitive little, little, little bunny rabbits that, you know, but the same and time you have to, I can get better. You have to want to get better at the craft. It is a craft. I don't care if you're a painter, you're whatever. I think people hear the stories of people who, wrote a book and they got picked up and then it was this brilliant thing and they're the best author in the world and it was their first time and blah, 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 blah. Yeah, that is the exception and not the fucking rule most of the time. Oh. And you don't know how many times they went through that book over and over and over again because it doesn't happen that somebody types one book out, somebody picks it up and is like, this is the most brilliant thing ever written. No, because some editor hack the living fucking shit out of that before a publisher put it out. 
So you don't have any idea what that first work looked like. And if you do not take it, when somebody goes, if it's a rejection, you have to go, is it a rejection because they don't want it? Whatever. If there's no feedback, good, move on, but go, how do I rewrite this? How do I say this? How do I keep my voice and do the thing? Because you have to keep your voice and keep moving. But at the same time, get fucking better at what you're doing. You know, learn from your mistakes. Yep. That is my whiskey rant. I will say that there's never been one time where I can say that I got quote unquote negative feedback and negative I say loosely because it's someone saying that there's something that needs to be worked. There has never been one time where it didn't make me a better person or a better writer. And even if I didn't take that editor or that person's critique, it forced me to reevaluate the situation and write it in a way that not only addressed the problem, but made it where it jived with my voice. And that is how editing should be, you know? Yep. I think that's the sign of a fantastic editor is um, inspiring the writer to be the best they can be in the most concise language, but also maintaining that person's voice. I think like maintaining voice is huge, not to project onto the person that you're editing, Um, so almost in editing, a less is more approach is true, but if you as a writer can embrace, you you gotta embrace butchering your work. A, it's fun if you haven't tried it, but B, um, you're gonna, you're gonna wind up with the most concise, powerful form of your work that you ever had, right? So if you can embrace it, you're gonna learn from it. Mm Mm-hmm. So you come out 2016, you're like, I'm going to write a fucking book. And you take four years because it's 2020 and you yeah. get your book out and you're doing this. What is your long-term goal? Do you want to be a full-time writer? Oh, definitely. <laughs> so I, I, a little bit of my background, I was always a science person. Even growing up, I, even in high school, I was always debating science versus art, and I'm I'm also pretty brainy. Uh, I love psychology. I love science. I love my biochemistry. Um, I have a bachelor's science in nursing, is where I went. And uh, they say nursing is the balance of science and art. So you'll see in my autobiography, Ooh. it's always that I've played tug of war with science and art. Uh, brief background: like both my fa- my parents come from film and art. This painting behind me is actually my father's artwork. And what? Uh, he wow. won a Tom Thompson Award uh, when I was young. So he was a fantastic artist. Uh, so I did grow up with a mad artist in the household. My father would wake up at three in the morning to paint or with a spark of inspiration. And both my, mar- my parents met through the film industry. Uh, my mom worked pre-production. My father worked post-production. My stepfather now works pre-production. So um, art and film have always been a fantastic part of my life. Uh, so I think I could only go so long with with continuing with the science. I really miss the art. And um, as much as I love it, I think that what I've learned as a nurse and as a person um, really has given, made my writing more fulfilling. So absolutely, if I could create things uh, full time for the rest of my life, that would be amazing. I'll probably miss nursing in the sense that I love to chat, but more than anything, I love learning people's stories as a nurse. As a nurse, you talk and you get to know people and you're an investigator and you hear about what matters to people. And I think nursing in the sense, yes, we're healing people, but more than anything, what's more important than healing someone is actually finding out what matters to them. So the discovery of the person in nursing is actually more important than the healing because some people don't want to be healed, right? Like if they're palliative or whatever it may be, whatever path they're taking in life, it may not be to healing. I actually specialized in death and dying and palliative care when I did my bachelor of science in nursing. So healing is not always the option. So in that sense, I think that I really enjoy discovering people. So when it comes to my writing, I have this chance to discover who these characters are and what their perspective is. Like there's so much backstory that goes into characters 
that is either in your mind or on the page that never actually goes into the story. So when I'm writing, I just really enjoy the discovery of the characters. So I think nursing, if as I branch into full-time writing, I probably will at some point. Um, I'm going to really miss nursing, but I'm going to honor what it gave me in the discovery of character, the discovery of people. So I guess wow, that answers your question. That is a fantastic answer. That's a very poetic answer. I don't <laughs> even know. That is really awesome. <laughs> my husband says I'm often too poetic. <laughs> that's that my downfall. <laughs> what are you talking about? <laughs> I don't think that could be a downfall. When you're writing, because um, what kind of environment do you like to write in? I write everywhere. I do. I write in the kitchen. I write, I write in the library where I am now. Um, I write with my two-year-old daughter <laughs> running around with pots and pans. Um, I think that if the moment seizes you, write it. Like You have to have that moment of, uh, well, you don't have to have it, but I often have that moment of eureka where the, the writing takes you and like, I want to figure out where this scene goes. And like, so, um, in an interview I did, I'm, I'm part of a writer's community, the writer's community of York Region up here in Ontario. And uh, I did an interview with them a long time ago. We talked about writing, about how you grow. Like I read the interview a couple days ago when I Googled myself prior to publication. <laughs> there was so many areas where I wanted to insert an Oxford comma. Oh my God. I was like, man, do I need to re-edit this work? But it's done. Like I push myself. It's out there. Right. And part of it is taking the leap as like we talked about how you're constantly growing. So like post-publication, like you're going to want to change. You're going to want to edit that work. You're going to have to let it go, baby, because you've moved on. It served you well for the time that you had in that moment, and you have to move on. But I already want to edit the shit out of the interview that I did in, I think it's like 2017, 2018. So that puts well, it in Anne, perspective. Anne Rice. Anne Rice always says that she doesn't look back on her old work in disdain like most of us do. And she says she always celebrates herself in the sense of that was the best that she could do at that time. And exactly. she just has to accept it, that that was the best. And now that you see things now, it just means that you just improved. You got better. You're better than yeah. you were then. And you so, Googled yourself, though. So that right. had to be interesting. <laughs> it is. Oh, you got to Google yourself. Yeah. See what smut oh, no, I, I, I Get rid of it Google before alert. publication. No, I'm just kidding. I have Google alerts on myself that tell me anytime <laughs> I've been doing anything. Uh-huh. So that's that that makes it easier on me. Just for the record out there, you can set a Google alert on yourself. It doesn't cost anything. And anytime you're mentioned, Google will tell you you're mentioned in things. Why haven't it's I done that? Or different. So it's cool. It's very cool. Yeah. I need to do that. Yes. But okay. Well, we we're coming to the end of this particular episode. What you already gave advice, but do you want to give any more advice to any new and aspiring novelists out there? Let's see. Number one would be don't give up. Uh, number two, write what you freaking love. Like we've all talked it to death. Write what you know, write what you love. Don't give up, number one. Number two, write what you love. Number three, don't be afraid to fail. Don't be afraid mm. to fail and get up and try again. Like you are like Rocky, you just keep going. And every time you fail, you're gonna be absolutely stronger and you're going to be absolutely wiser and you're going to grow as a person. Number four, love your tribe. Love the writers you have around you. They're talented. They're brilliant. They're doing the same thing. Embrace them. Love them. They grow you. There's a reason why so many published authors that you look at, you look at the Clockwork series, you look at any series, and those writers, um, actually are within the same tribe. If you look at it and, and the people they're thanking in their acknowledgements, they are thanking people within their writing group who are actually published in large series somewhere else. So support your tribe, love your tribe, carry them with you as you go, and they're gonna grow you. So I think that's the most positive energy that I can give. Now it's Ooh. a lot of positive energy. And now um, time for some shameless self-promotion. <laughs> How do people find this epic book that's coming out? 
All right, so Carolina Delka, Dark Eyes. Um, vampires with extra bite, extra magic, extra dark thriller. Um, you find it on Amazon, Barnes & Noble, uh, BookBub. There should be a big promotion coming up there, Book Barbarians. There should be a discount coming up on publication date. So December 16th, we go live. But until then, pre-order is available. And hard copy should be available um, within a couple of weeks. Very cool. Do we have a newsletter that people can subscribe to? Not yet. But oh, soon in the oh. Do it, do it, do it. <laughs> I know. They've got to get there it. There better be a newsletter by the time this airs. So I'm going to say yes, there is a newsletter. And they <laughs> on what website? Uh, so mrnoblefiction.com is the author website. And on there, when this airs, will be a newsletter that you can subscribe to to get updates. I'm putting that in Erica, you are being told to go get My your new, new tribe members are kicking me in the ass. Uh, yeah, get see, a this is, this, see, now you're getting what I get on a daily is this right here. Well, because that's where you're going to get 20% uh, of your avid newsletter um, readers will leave you Amazon and, and reviews. So growing that newsletter, you wouldn't think because a lot of people think, oh, that's old school. No, that is how you communicate to your you community. The other thing is, do you have on your Facebook a Facebook page for your readers? That's the thing. I'm yeah. actually available on Instagram and Twitter, not available on Facebook. You better take that pencil you're holding and put the show together. <laughs> and Facebook page and group. Facebook right. page group because I'll tell you, Kenya, Kenny has the K killers, for instance, right? And they she has one of the most active groups I've ever seen. And she does what you're talking about with the tribes of bringing in mm -hmm. guest authors and promoting and that cross promotion. I, I mean, seriously active. Jonathan Mayberry has the same thing. Robert Bevan, all these guys, you need to have that active Facebook page. Mm -hmm. Those are Erica's words of parting advice on this episode. <laughs> wow. It's funny you say that. So I've been told also, like one of my, there's a big acknowledgement to uh, Kissing Koza in my book that is published. Longtime friend, fantastic vampire enthusiast. She organizes trips to Romania every year for, for travel and, and for that, any of those travel writers out there. She's a huge vampire enthusiast as well. So she actually told me yesterday, like, Margarita, what are you doing? Or I go by M, but my real name is Margarita. What are you doing? Like, you have to have this Facebook group. So I've been told twice now. So I think that means that my, my tribe is telling me and I better embrace it. So thank you for mm -hmm. that. Too, because you are such a great person to talk to and your fans are going to love talking to you but not if they don't have a place to talk to you. And Instagram and Twitter, Twitter are not really places to talk necessarily. It's They're true. not really a word count, right? There's a word count on each tweet you can make. Like you can't really have that ongoing dialogue. Yeah. Well, that is Twitter is a, a, a very weird, interesting cesspool of trolls. So yeah. <laughs> and also, it is. So can speaking of trolls, Sorry, go ahead. Oh, no, no. I was going to say, Kay Killers, I follow her now because of our interview with her. And honestly, I like it. I don't even always, like, respond, but she always has the funniest content on there that puts a smile on my face. So sometimes it's just really nice to, like, connect with your viewership in, like, really positive ways. And Every one of her surveys, I get zero points. She has these surveys of things, <laughs> you count points for things you haven't done, and literally there hasn't been, I, I, I wrote to her, and I'm like, could you please put, like, a bad girl survey on here? Because, like, things that you've accomplished, I'll win. If we can get points for actually having done the things versus I've never her fans are like nine, eight. I'm like zero again. <laughs> so what were you going to say though? Okay. I had to pull up something quickly because often in your interviews, you've talked about the worst book that authors have ever read, right? Oh, you're going to answer that question. I am. Literary I am. Brief. I am. I have to say it because this young lady has brought me hours and hours of entertainment. She is a YouTuber. Her name is Jenny Nicholson. 
if you YouTube her, and she did a review on the worst book she's ever read. She loves to review the worst books, and I pray to God that my book doesn't wind up on her YouTube channel one day about <laughs> being the worst book she ever read, because this girl will tear you apart. But she did a podcast on finding the worst book ever. It is called Troll, and I think it's a total of something like, I don't know, 100 pages that includes three books. And it's the worst book that she's ever read. So I had to read it. I absolutely had to read it after her podcast. And it truly is the worst book ever created. So I had to do a shout out because this young lady who, who does videos from her bedroom. So that in itself <laughs> requires courage. Um, she did a podcast on the worst book ever created called Troll. And I believe that's it. So out of all the podcasts you did, I had to mention it and I had to do a shout out to Jenny Nicholson, last name N-I-C-H-O-L-S-O-N on uh, YouTube um, because she's freaking hilarious. So if you guys are ever feeling down and out about yourself, and I know us authors hate to throw other authors under the bus, but if you watch this video, you will not feel bad. <laughs> you will laugh for hours. I'll make sure and they, you will uh... feel about yourself as horrible and awful as that is. So. I'll have to have my uh, podcast consigliere, I like just saying that instead of producer, um, I'll have him throw the link in the podcast notes so people can find her on this podcast. Perfect. Perfect. Okay, you have been thoroughly amazing to have on this podcast. Thank you so much for being here. This has been Drinking with Authors. I'm Erica Lance. I'm Vanessa Valiente. We'll see you next time.